Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us today for an episode of the Guys Like Us podcast with Steve Shira. Steve comes from Connecticut and is now spending a lot of his time all, all across the world in Latin, Central America, South America, in North America as well, and, and then all the way across to Southeast Asia and Europe and, and just everywhere in between. For the past few years, he has been running the nonprofit Around the World, Around the World, which brings soccer balls to developing countries, to orphanages, Christian centers, and pretty much anywhere that will welcome him. And brings these soccer balls and runs, runs workshops, shows these kids a bit more about soccer. And as we'll see in this podcast, Steve ends up learning a lot more from, from these folks. Looking forward to getting pretty deep in conversation with Steve today. Hi, this is Tyler Brondike, and this is the Guys Like Us podcast. Today, I am welcomed by Steve. Um, a Connecticut native who has moved from a small town in Connecticut um, playing soccer um, and is now connecting with people across the world through a nonprofit that he recently started called Around the World, Around the World. So I, I'm going to leave it at that for now, um, but thanks so much for joining, Steve. Yeah, absolutely, man. I appreciate you having me on the show. Uh, you know, it's just a great experience and, uh, you know, it's an honor and a privilege to be here, uh, being able to speak about uh, the work that I do and... Uh, the way faith kind of carries me through the work that I do. Awesome. I'm, I'm excited. Um, so how I, how I normally kick us off is by opening up in prayer. Um, so awesome. I, I can kick us off now. All right. Dear Lord, thank you for bringing us together this evening in, um, in Massachusetts and actually where Steve is uh, over in Thailand. Um, it is morning time. So we are incredibly grateful to be able to connect um, through technology and just and just using this as a vehicle to draw closer to you and live out the gifts and the opportunities that you have put in front of us. And we're incredibly grateful and do all things um, through Jesus. And in his name we pray. Amen. Awesome, dude. Um, well, well said, Tyler. Well said. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, so, you know, so I, I know that, uh, you know, it's a brief Ish, uh, yeah, brief intro, um, but can you can you start from the beginning um, and kind of how that process looked to to where you are now? You know, I know back you know years back you were just playing soccer in your backyard um, and yeah. kind of and how how that all changed and and, and and what's been going on the past few years. So essentially, the uh, the origins of around the world. Is that what we're looking at? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Uh, so. Uh, I guess what happened is I, I always uh, kind of gravitated towards the game of soccer when I was a kid, and uh, I've always lived my life kind of in phases, and uh, soccer was just one of those things that came in and never really left, and uh, I'm, I'm thankful every single day for that, And because uh, I know I've had kids who've gone on to play so much premier and so much uh, academy-level soccer when they're growing up to the point where they just fell so out of love with it, mm-hmm. where uh, as well as to the point where when I... The, the more I grew in the game of soccer, I never lost uh, passion for it. And it's not like it's not like I was beating myself to death about it to the point where I, uh, I kind of just grew to hate the game more than I loved it. So I think I'll always be thankful for that, too. So 
soccer always kind of played a, a pretty big role in my life. And uh, I guess looking back on it, I never really knew that uh, I'd be able to take it to, to this sort of extent at, at any point in my life. But um, you never really know where your life could be headed at any point in time. And you just have to be grateful for the blessings and uh, grateful for the lessons that might come with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so what happened is, uh, I guess, so I, I played uh, I played soccer growing up and then uh, never really anything too competitive. I mean, I, I'd gotten to college and uh, I'd played pickup and stuff and just intramural level stuff. And then I went out and played uh, for the club team over at uh, UConn, which, which provided a healthy balance between, you know, um, kind of a laid-back atmosphere, but also uh, being able to still play competitive at a collegiate level. So uh, it was just a really good experience that I was really grateful for the opportunity to have. And it was at that moment where it kind of instilled in this uh, this power that soccer had uh, as a platform to give back. So while we were at the University of Connecticut, we were, you know, doing outreach as a club team and using soccer as a tool, uh, you know, if, if not... Uh, doing mentorship, you know, big brother, big brother type events at uh, local urban schools, and uh, you know, working, uh, facilitating a Special Olympics uh, soccer tournament every year, and uh, it was those experiences that I was almost, uh, you know, just really excited about, and uh, kind of just affected me in a way that I never expected, and uh, I guess it, it provided a really solid foundation for what I wanted to do, and. Uh, for what I could do possibly in the future. So I guess, you know, everybody asks where was the, where was the spark? Uh, if you say, you know, where was the spark that, that kind of set everything off? And uh, I wish I could pinpoint it like that. Mm-hmm. I really wish for all the stories, but uh, I'd like to say that it was kind of like a, just a culmination of all these different, uh, different experiences and different, you know, opportunities in my life kind of coming together in just a beautiful masterpiece. And, uh, you know, as a testament to that, you know, God is always going to provide and will always create something in, in his own image. And uh, it's just amazing to think, you know, he could lead me to something so big and so great. And uh, I think I just, you know, I'm always thankful for that every day. So I, I guess where, where you guys stand now, um, around the world, um, around the world, um, you're a nonprofit operating in how many countries now? Uh, Thailand is actually country number 16. Holy cow. So, uh, you know, it started off kind of on a whim. And uh, like I said, you know, I got to be careful when I start talking about this stuff because I could go on for days about it. But yep. you know what it is, man. When you're passionate about something, you know, there's uh, any opportunity to speak about it. It's just uh, it's such a such a privilege. And mm-hmm. uh, so what happened is uh, I started at a, at a small Catholic orphanage in Peru. Okay. Uh, which, you know, that's a place that is always going to be near and dear to my heart because it was the first place I ever worked. And uh, it was the first place actually to trust in me, too. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know how how deep I want to get into it, but what happened is I, I had originally wanted to use soccer as a tool to make a difference. And uh, I knew there's so many, you know, different organizations out there that I won't mention. Mm-hmm. But, you know, everybody's doing it uh, in their own capacity, uh, you know, whether on a large, whether on a small scale, whether on a local scale, national, international. So I knew that there were opportunities to do that. But uh, honestly, I just couldn't I, I couldn't really cater to their um, their needs in terms of, uh, you know, length of length of commitment and uh, 
what was it? There were also really lofty expenses that kind of turned me away. And I was disappointed about that because, you know, everybody who has that, that kind of drive to, to make a difference, for some reason you start off so, uh, you know, so like starry-eyed thinking that, you know, this is going to be so easy, you know, I'm going to want to do this and they're going to want me to come and do it and then that's it. Mm-hmm. But it's really not like that. And it's tough, man. And it does turn you uh, does turn you a bit cynical. I'm not going to lie about that. And uh, so what happened was, as much as I wanted to do that, I realized that it wasn't going to happen, and I kind of realized that I had to go about it my own way, and that's kind of what said, like, all right, you know, instead of just trying to find an organization to kind of piggyback on, um, you're going to have to go out and take it yourself, and um, which is tough, man, I'll give you that, you know. Yep. One of the toughest things is uh, pitching an idea to someone with absolutely nothing to show from it, you know, and uh, to the point where, like, I... I uh, when I reach out to prospective beneficiaries now, you know, I have just stacks and letters of, of recommendation and, you know, all these different language from all these different places that we've worked. And I still get rejected, you know, from time to time. And sometimes those rejections come more plentiful than they do uh, the other way around. So, you know, it's tough, but you just have to keep working at it. And I think everything in life will come with, uh, you know, failures, but also uh, little victories as well. And, mm-hmm. uh, when you kind of know the reason why you started, that's what pushes you forward. And then, uh, you know, things always kind of work out, which is nice. But, um, man, I'm getting so sidetracked, sorry. No, <laughs> um, absolutely. I, you know, I, I, exactly. I think once once you're, you know, once you you have the opportunity to live out a passion and, and really do make a difference, um, you can you can speak forever on it. And um, uh, yeah. <laughs> before the show, I know that we were talking and you said, well, you know what? I, I, I really hope it doesn't, you know, I'm, I don't take several hours trying to, you know, trying to get my point across. And I said, no, don't worry about it. But I, I completely understand. It wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so so, so I, I can finish off that one real quick, though. Yeah, like, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's such a, it was such a meaningful experience to me just because it was literally the first one. And uh, looking back on it, it just sparked something so, so great and something so amazing that, uh, you know, like I said, it's always going to be there in the back of my mind and in the back of my heart. So what happened was, uh, you know, kind of just going in blind and uh, reaching out to these orphanage, you know, like, hey, this is what I want to do. I want to bring, a, you know, a soccer workshop, a soccer program. I'll bring some donations, some soccer balls that the kids can keep. And in a sense, you know, that will um, something that they can continue to use to, to learn and grow in the game, as well as kind of. I always liked it because it, in a way it makes it so that my presence will always kind of last there. Mm-hmm. a bit longer than my own physical presence and uh you know to kind of live on through uh the soccer balls the goals the jerseys everything that you give to these kids uh you know it's really meaningful but what happened is i finally got confirmation after months months of networking because you know it's you're almost cold calling these places and i got a po- i got a positive confirmation from uh this little catholic orphanage in peru outside of lima and um the guy was super excited about it, and he was like, you know, you can stay for three days or so, and then you can come out here. And I was, I was stoked. Like I was, I was like, all right, let's do this. I was pumped. Yeah. And, uh, but then I got there, and I was just like, uh, what did I get myself into? You know, I spent the day before the workshop. I spent playing with maybe four or five little kids, and um, you know, it was just kind of a handful. And I was like, I'm gonna have like eight times as many kids tomorrow. And I was just like. You know, you get so excited about something and you, I had almost kind of planned out what the rest of my life was going to look like before that trip. Then you get there and you're like, 
I don't know if I could actually do this. And, uh, you know, it's not that, it's not really second guessing yourself or anything, or even, even really a lack of confidence. It's just, there's so much, uh, anxiety at that point, I guess you're just so excited and there's just so much, uh, so much kind of coming together that, uh, it's just a whirlwind, uh, whirlwind of emotions, you know? And, uh, so basically, uh, I, I ended up getting there and, and looking back on it, the worst thing that could have happened is that it would have just been utter chaos. And I was just like, you know, I don't, I don't really have the strength to work with these kind of kids. I can't, you know, I didn't speak any Spanish at that time. So you can imagine that certainly didn't help the issue. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, uh, so that presented its own challenges, uh, you know, challenges that I've tried to at least kind of, um, cut into since but sure you know i was just i was just a bit nervous and uh i had planned out this idea without really knowing if i was capable or strong enough to do it and what ended up happening was that uh you know that kind of pilot uh just went better than i could have ever imagined and then i got home and it was like all right you know let's let's do this let's make it happen and uh from there you know the growth just has been uh incredible mm-hmm. to see incredible to witness and uh you know, it's just, it, it couldn't have happened without the help of so many different people. And, uh, you know, obviously the, the help from from somebody who's working in more ways than one. Yep. So uh, it's just been, it's just been amazing, man. And I'm really thankful for it. So 16 countries, you know, back to that little orphanage in Peru to be in 16 countries now is, uh, it's pretty incredible just to, to kind of reflect on. So. Yes. Um, one one quick question. So when you were reaching when you were reaching out to um, the the uh, first first center in Peru, um, when you were you know drafting out, drafting out that email, was was it in Spanish or was it in English? You know, how were you able to to break down the the communication barrier there? That one was in English, man. They uh, they actually the priest is from the states. Oh, great! Uh, and the priest is the director of the orphanage, and then. Uh, the volunteer director was also from uh, Wisconsin, I believe. So <laughs> okay. they had their own little community. So yeah, it wasn't bad, man. Okay. So I, okay. Uh, like I said, there's been help along the way, but I've yep. sent out emails in Spanish, Portuguese, anything, man. Whatever works. <laughs> yeah. No. Absolutely. Okay. Cool. Cool. No. I. <laughs> that's fine. I'm like, all right. Yeah. There's. There's probably. You know. What? When I think about it, you know, in my previous job, I. I spent some time doing sales and business development, and a lot of that is doing cold calls and is reaching out to people and having no idea what they're going to say and you know that uncertainty of where it could yeah. go um and especially you know when when you mentioned when you first went to um peru um you know you're like i don't know what i'm getting myself into what what is going to happen um was there was there a moment there where you kind of said you know what i'm just gonna this is his plan and i'm just gonna kind of you know lay it all on the line and just you know do what i can knowing that you know, I, I, I can just do, you know, whatever I, I can possibly do. Or how oh, yeah, did that absolutely. look for you? Yeah. Um, and, you know, for what it's worth, man, there were little signs along the way. Like I said, you know, I, I grew up, I was uh, born and raised Catholic. And, uh, you know, I'm always thankful for my parents for, for always, um, you know, growing us in our faith uh, ever since we were little kids. And uh, so, like I said, there were little signs, you know, this being a Catholic orphanage, um, you know, a priest being the director, uh, I actually, I ended up going, going to church with the kids, which, uh, you know, that in itself, like you, you go there and you're like, all right, I'm going to play soccer with these kids. But then you sit there and you're, you're sharing meals with them. You sit there, you go to mass with them. And obviously mass was in Spanish. So I understood nothing except for amen. amen. But, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but, you know, 
just to be there alongside one of those kids and you walk into the church and, and you know kids turn their heads and everybody's like come sit with us come sit with us and you know it's just so much excitement and, and to see kids equally as passionate about soccer as they are in their faith it's a beautiful thing i'll tell you that and uh but then at the same point you know i was sitting there uh, alongside these kids during mass and they were like uh they were whispering in my ear during mass during the homily or something they were yeah. like uh, they're like vuelta al mundo vuelta al mundo so they're like <laughs> uh, i don't know if you speak spanish <laughs> that means uh, that means around the world so uh, I've been teaching kids how to do around the world. So during the homily, you know, they're they're interrupting father to to just whisper around the world in my ear, <laughs> and I was like, ah oh, man, like we gotta wait, we gotta wait until after church. But, yep, yep. You know, and, and like ever since ever since I started, man, I, I always question I always question the name of it, and I wanted something more straightforward because you know, the title of an organization should be able to kind of convey what they do, what their mission is, I, ideally. And, uh, you know, a lot of people don't really understand the significance of what and around the world even is. But at the same time, you know, there's that um, there's that significance, uh, you know, that significant meaning behind that first workshop and the kids, you know, whispering around the world in my ear during church. And I was like, I can't change that. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so, so, you know, for, for those of you, for those of, you know, the people that are listening that haven't already you know, searched um, around the world, around the world online, kind of, you know, could you, could you give us a, a quick elevator pitch or, you know, what your mission is uh, on what you guys are doing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so basically, uh, Around the World's Around the World is a, a 501c3 nonprofit uh, dedicated to using the game of soccer to better the lives of uh, orphaned and uh, otherwise underprivileged children all across the world. So, um, it's nice, man, because we have uh, we have such a broad focus that it allows us to work with, you know, kids from any different walk of life and any different circumstance. And I'd like to think that, you know, in the past few years, we've had the opportunity to, to connect and to, to impact the lives of so many different individuals. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's just something beautiful in itself. But, uh, you know, not just to be able to work with, with kids who are orphaned, but to be able to work with kids who have been, I, I, I don't really know how... Um, how in detail I can get about it. I don't, yeah. I don't know, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. so, you know, to work, to work with kids who have also been, uh, sexually abused and, you know, do, uh, have, have dealt with juvenile imprisonment, uh, victims of child prostitutions, uh, prostitution, kids from, uh, gangs, drug cartels, everything. Uh, you know, we were in Ecuador working with, uh, kids from, uh, earthquake relief center. And like I said, man, just to just to be able to affect uh, kids from, from any walk of life, and uh, that's something I'm thankful for too. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, the mission's about um, youth development, and uh, there's also an element of empowerment there. So mm-hmm. it's, it's just using soccer to empower others. Uh, and you know, you work with kids who've been so deprived of these uh, these just essential these, these necessities in, in the the process of growing up as a, as a child. And you know, we we often forget how. Uh, how essential that is uh, just to be able to play. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And then you don't really realize it until it's, it's until you don't have the option. And uh, when you have kids who don't have that opportunity just to play and just to be a kid, kids who are going out there and they're digging through garbage at, you know, five, the age of five, just to provide for themselves and their family. Uh, it's just tough to see, man. And, and, you know, to be able to give them that opportunity, even if just for two or three hours as a temporary escape, or to give them the opportunity to do something, you know, even more, even even on a larger scale than that. It's uh, yeah, that's something that we want to continue to do. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It, it's it sounds like a lot of these, 
a lot of these kids are coming from a lot of different experiences, and as you mentioned, you know, a lot of uh, there are a lot of underprivileged, a lot of a lot of um, underprivileged, underprivileged youth. Um, but it, it sounds like you know, at least from my my experience, the, the game of soccer is such a unifying unifying factor. Um, oh yeah. Have you yeah. have you found that that's something that you know maybe going into into these different countries, you always thought soccer was important, but has that magnified since being there? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you just see how universal it is, and yeah. uh, I don't think I would have started if I hadn't seen that that universality kind of firsthand. Because yeah. uh, I, I honestly, I had always wanted to do something. Uh, I, I had always felt this this kind of burning uh, desire inside to, to do something like that, but I never yeah. knew uh, to what extent, and and I didn't even know what my platform would be. And I guess uh, you know it was kind of in front of my eyes all the time. And uh, what happened yeah. was that I had seen. I had seen, um, so this is back. I'm sorry, man. I'm getting back into the origins. No, I appreciate but, uh, it. I, you know, I, th- I think, yeah, I'll, I'll just want to discover and, and learn a bit more about where it started. So go, yeah, go, go ahead. Absolutely. So, so what happened is, uh, you know, I had been traveling a little bit after I graduated from UConn and, uh, you know, just, just the typical stuff that, you know, a lot of, a lot of people end up doing. And, uh, once they graduate and, you know, just kind of, I guess, delaying the inevitable, <laughs> Uh, dive into the workforce and, yes, uh, yes. so I was doing that and you know I was going places that I wanted to see I was going to like Spain and Italy and France uh, England I, I even went back to the Philippines too and um, so what happens is that you I saw how soccer could connect you know these different different individuals from from you know so many different um, I don't know so many different backgrounds you know kids who don't speak the same language and i saw like i said man i saw that unifying aspect of it firsthand and that was kind of what sparked it like i said a lot of things came together and that was definitely one that solidified mm-hmm. it and you know i could be in um i could be in paris like in front of the the louvre like i was juggling i remember this i was juggling with a little kid from uh from romania <laughs> so like he didn't speak any english at all but you know for what for that 10, 15 minutes, we were just uh, just kind of connecting over a shared passion for the game, and uh, you know, even even later on in that visit to Paris, you know, I, I became pretty good friends with a kid who I still stay in touch with to this day. Uh, this kid from Algeria, uh, his name was Ox, and it's a pretty sick name, man, Ox. Uh, <laughs> yeah, wow, he's, he's going to turn up to. Yes, yes, absolutely. It's it's, it's in his it's in his genes. Yeah. So, but what happened is that, uh, you know, this was a kid who uh, I kind of just trusted right from the get-go, and, and which, which isn't a great thing to do sometimes, but uh, I was always kind of raised on the premise that I was going to trust people until they gave me a reason not to, and, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely opened my, uh, my eyes and my heart to a lot of different uh, interactions that I probably wouldn't have had otherwise. And so this was a kid who, you know, I, I didn't, I never, you know, second-guessed him, I never really looked to... Uh, I don't, I don't know. I just, I just took everything in, and uh, you know, we, we both had this shared passion for soccer, just like that. And uh, you know, this was a kid who was, uh, he was Muslim. He was from Algeria, mm-hmm. and uh, I kind of, uh, I, I had learned a couple lessons through uh, just his friendship with him that kind of opened my eyes to things that that made me a little bit embarrassed about where society and where the world was at, and. Uh, what happened is we were kind of just hanging out, you know, going to different sightseeing in Paris, and um, we wanted to take pictures in front of the Louvre or something, like we brought a soccer ball, we wanted to take pictures in front of the Eiffel Tower, 
And so we were like asking people to take pictures of us. And this lady, this lady from Florida, I think, who was running like, you know, this, uh, this tour with like maybe all these like middle schoolers or something. So you can imagine how paranoid this lady was in Paris. Oh yeah. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So she was all protective and everything. And, and we just asked her to take a picture and she was like, you know, I've seen you guys asking multiple people to take your pictures. I know what you're doing. And I was like, what are you talking about? And um, she was like, my husband works for Interpol. I know that you're hacking people's phones. And I was just so taken aback by it. And I was just Jeez. like, it didn't, I'd never been accused of anything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't, it doesn't feel good. And I'm sure, I'm sure you know about that, yeah. but uh, it's just not a, it's not a good place to be. And, and, you know, uh, just just for her to make assumptions like that, uh, it was really tough. And and what happened is, uh, we were just like, no, you know, uh, the the photos that the other people were taking just didn't really come out that that great. And so we were just trying to get a different angle, a different uh, perspective on it. And uh, it was completely innocent. But you know, as I kind of walked away from that experience, uh, I talked to my friend Ox, and he was like, "Hey, man, I'm I'm really sorry." And he was just like, uh, "That's my fault." Uh, she assumed that about us because I'm uh, I'm Arab, mm-hmm. and you know he kind of took the brunt of this uh, of this assumption on himself, uh, just as a nature of who he had been raised and you know the, the and even the religion that he identified with, and uh, I don't know, man. There was just something so uh, so disappointing about that for me, and. Uh, even furthermore, you know, we were walking down the streets of Paris and this kid, he, he turned to me and we had already been kind of close for a little bit and talking and just, you know, enjoying each other's company. And, and he was like, hey, man, I have to tell you something. And I hope it doesn't change your, your image of me or anything. And if you want to walk away, that's fine. And he was just I was like, yeah, man, go ahead, whatever. And he was like, I'm, I'm a Muslim. Mm-hmm. And uh, I almost felt embarrassed that he had to even say that. And, you know, mm-hmm. obviously it means nothing to me. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, hey man, I don't, I don't care. You know, you're a Muslim. I'm a, I'm a Christian. Like, we can coexist. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know, I, yes. I don't, I don't, I don't look at people for, for what they believe in. You know, and, and I think you can believe in what you believe in. I can believe in what I believe, and we can still get along just fine. And you know, even if, if the world has taught us that maybe we can't. And, uh, but I was just embarrassed that he felt the need to say that, and I was, I was just like, why, why would you even say that, man? Like, it's, it's not a problem at all. I, I'm not gonna look at you any differently mm-hmm. you know so it was just it was tough and, and and in that sense you know you that kind of uh pushed this issue that you know soccer was one of those games that could bridge so many divides and you know just kind of uh just go beyond these barriers that that religion gender uh race socioeconomic status have all created but i studied abroad in morocco myself um, and, and, and spent four, four months there. Uh, I was in, I was in a host family and as, as I'm sure, you know, um, Morocco is, yep. is 99% Islam. 99% Muslim, yeah. So it's, it, you know, it's crazy. I, I had people back in the United States who would reach out to me and say, you know, are, are you doing all right? You're doing okay there. Um, and I said, yeah, yeah. And you know, yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't, it wasn't explicitly, explicitly mentioned, but you know, th- I think there was this connotation of, um, this you know this this barrier between you know with with religion and kind of how islam yeah, yeah. especially with how islam was being perceived so it was it was something that was so crazy to me but going back to what you were saying i um luckily my host brother loved playing soccer so we would we would go out at, awesome. we would go out after school and just kick the ball around and 
just yep, have yep. a great time. So it was, it was something that was so unifying. And when you know, you know, when when you're playing and when you're really getting into it, you lose track of time. And yeah, speci- yeah. and that's something. But you know, one of the one of the coolest, yeah, one of the coolest things, man. Uh, you know, kind of kind of stemming off of that is that not only do you lose track of time, you almost when you're on there, when you're there on the field, man, you lose track of you lose the labels too. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. and it's not it's not Muslims versus Christians. It's not for me, especially. You know, it's not. I'm not looking at these kids as refugees or you know gang cartel members, orphans, street children. You just look at them as children. You look at them as soccer players. And in that moment, you're just sharing the ball. You're sharing the field together. And that's all it is. And that's really all it's ever been. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's something that will always be one of the most beautiful things that I've witnessed through this journey. So, Yeah. Awesome. Um, qu- question I wanted to ask you is, you know, I, when uh, when you pe- when people hear that, that you give soccer balls uh, to a lot of um, underprivileged, underprivileged people, it, it kind of sounds like now it's, that's just a byproduct of of the purpose of these visits. So I know you've you've touched on this briefly, and you know a lot of the interview has been like this. But what have you learned has been the most important part of of the mission? Um. So I'd like to say that man, I I, I realized that the soccer balls were just uh, just a byproduct. You know, they weren't the focal point of the mission. I think I realized that after Peru. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it stems all the way back there. And, and what happens is that uh, you quickly realize that, that the soccer balls are really just something tangible that, uh, you know, these kids can keep something that they can, you know, something perceptible by touch. But it's not it's not what uh, it's, it's not something that will take away or, you know, really it's just an it's just an added um, element to what we do. But the thing that matters the most is just just uh, the time you spend with these kids and uh you know the the instruction is important too but it's just that opportunity for a kid to play and like i said you work with kids who've been deprived of that in their young lives ever since they were you know ever since they grew up ever since they were born and um and so what happens is uh you you quickly realize that the, the most priceless thing that you could ever give to these kids is your time and uh you know just to show them uh that they're worth something and uh these are kids who've been knocked down more times in life than we could ever imagine and uh we've experienced things in life that are, are far beyond our own comprehension and things that we you know in some in some cases might not even know exist out there in the world and uh you know just to be able to give those kids uh two or three hours of their time as an outlet of your time as an outlet mm-hmm. but then be, to be able to give them the soccer balls i always wanted to do that too because you know it's not it's not just about instruction it's also about uh you know just just providing with the, with the tools. These are kids who, you know, sometimes they, they've never had their own soccer ball. Sometimes they've never had a soccer ball that quality. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, you know, it's, it's strange too, man. I was also, I was in Nicaragua and I gave these kids uh, brand new soccer balls and they actually opted to, to go back to the old ones. <laughs> not, for a, not, not for a lack of uh, gratitude, but uh, these were kids who, uh, what happened is, I think one of the old soccer balls had been bitten by a stray dog out there, so it was like so punctured and, and wasn't holding air. And uh, they actually preferred that ball because it didn't bounce. <laughs> so almost, uh, a, a makeshift, a makeshift futsal ball. Futsal ball, ball. yep. But, yep. You know, it was just uh, it was funny, man. But you know, sometimes it's like that. But but like I said, man, you realize very quickly that um, the the soccer balls. It's never been about the soccer balls, and um, 
you know, it's good to keep a record of that stuff, but, you know, as, as much as you want to keep statistics and, and kind of, um, and I think you have to, you know, just yeah. to, just to kind of get a, get a glimpse, get a scope of, uh, where your impact is and, and, and kind of, uh, where you're at, where you want to be. But at the same time, man, you can't let numbers govern what you do and, and, and kind of what you're trying to do. And so, uh, as much as, you know, I keep a record of the soccer balls, you know, it's, uh, that's just there as a, as a, that's just there to kind of tell us where we're at. But yeah. aside from that, because because you know I set a goal to give out a thousand soccer balls, and uh, I guess looking back on it, I could have just bought a thousand and brought them to, to one orphanage and been like, all right, there that goal's done. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. there were places where I would go where I'd give them two soccer balls. I go to places and give them thirty soccer balls, and they were just as happy either way. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, like I said, when I, 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 I that's kind of when I realized, like, man, these numbers don't really matter to me at all. Uh, was when I'd gone to places where, you know, there's maybe 80 kids, and I'm just like, all right, I'm going to give them five soccer balls. Because I could have easily just been like, all right, let's do 80 here, let's do 100 here, bam, bam, and then we're at 1,000 just like that. But um, that was just kind of a number to aspire to. And, sure. you know, something to set that I didn't think I'd ever reach. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. we kind of reached it faster than I was expecting. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. Um, when I yeah. when I was in Morocco, I I played with a, with a local club team. So there, um, awesome. the um, I was in the city. I was outside of um, Rabat in the city called Tamara, and there's gotcha. there's a, a local a local team that was in the the second professional division. Um, oh, wow. And there, I, I was actually playing on their amateur team, which was a really cool experience. Yeah. Um, and at the end. And at the you know throughout throughout playing with them and just training, um, there was there was a few there was actually one or two practices where we, you know, all 20, 30 players showed up and there there wasn't a soccer ball, so we so we couldn't play, so we had to go so we had to go home. And right and this this is this this is a this is a you know they're the, the, this is the amateur yeah, team, yeah. but this is a professional yeah. club professional yeah it's a it's an affiliate of a professional club like come on <laughs> yes absolutely absolutely so it's crazy that's, that's, cra- that's crazy yeah I so <laughs> so i went I, I ended up going downtown um in the city of rabat and there's a there's an adidas store um and okay. as, as i'm sure you know for some reason in a lot of developing countries like morocco peru um even like a you know an adidas or even like a kfc is considered like is considered like prestigious. It's like very nice. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. Man. Um, so going to the, I, I went to the Adidas store and got like a pretty basic soccer ball for them and brought it back yeah. to the team um, on my on my last day in Morocco and it was so funny because they the um, like head coach and like the captains like all like huddled around and like held a soccer ball and like took photos with it. Um, <laughs> it was it was really cool to and I, I exactly having that tangible experience was awesome. Um, yeah, but that was. Exactly, but that was just that was you know that was that was just the last you know that was five ten minutes of the last day and what what really yeah, yeah. what really mattered was the entire experience that you had with them and for them to yeah. to learn about about you yeah. and and learn how just how you like even move with the soccer ball or what you do um, mm-hmm. and then for me to, to learn kind of you know how they operated um, and as yeah, a, yeah. and it's crazy because you're you're probably the only you know white american that they've a lot of them have seen maybe in their life or for a long time um, yeah, yeah. for some of these places and you know it's, i think it was the same for me so it was just a it's it's a unique experience and it's unlike any other um, yeah yeah so you know it's actually going, going off of that sorry to interrupt man, uh, but going off of that it's uh I, I think what i like about the soccer ball 
and you know being able to provide that to the kids is that uh that you never know what kind of impact that simple act of uh, giving and receiving might do for that child and uh you know it's it's a child who's, who's not used to that he's not accustomed to to being given something in their life and uh you know for a lot of those kids they, maybe they've never dreamed of owning their own soccer balls and i honestly wish that everywhere i could go i could give each kid a soccer ball and uh sometimes you know we've just had uh we've had the resources to be able to do so sometimes we haven't but like i said it's just that act you know it's not even about the soccer ball it's just that act of, of giving and receiving uh is, is something so beautiful and, and something that uh you never really know what that might do for some kid. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, granted, we've had kids go on and do some really amazing things, too. So, uh, you know, it's just it's just really beautiful, and I'm thankful for that. So, Awesome. Awesome. Um, you know, I, I think transitioning, I, I know that faith has been an you know, important part of your life, and you, you mentioned that you were involved in the Catholic Church growing up. Um, mm-hmm. when, did, when did you first get involved with faith, I guess, first question? Mm. Man, this question is so much tougher to answer than soccer. <laughs> I, I know, I know. It's crazy. It's faith, faith has always been around, man. Yeah. That's it. You know, I can't, I can't pinpoint anything because I've been going to church every Sunday since I was a kid. Okay. But uh, when did I start growing in my faith? And yeah. Maybe, uh, I think that's a better oh, question. Man. Jeez, man, I should have prepared better for this one. <laughs> um, I guess... Uh, I'd like to think that every single I, I I think the way you know the way it works for a lot of us is that um, you know we're all uh, man, God works on us every single day. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're always we're, we're never a finished product, and I don't know if we I don't think we'll ever we ever ever will be. No. But uh, you know it's it's always a constant journey in your own faith, and it comes with it comes with its you know speed bumps here and there, but. Uh, you know, you kind of just take everything it comes as it comes, and uh, I, it's tough. I've had conversations with my uh, oh man, I don't know if I want to get into that. I've had conversations with my siblings, and you know, sometimes they've had days where uh, they've kind of uh, doubted their faith. Yep. And uh, I've had the conversation with my sister, and it was really tough for her because she's like, you know, I look at you, and and I have an older brother, and she's like, you know, I look at you guys, and and you're so devout, and you're so rooted in your faith, and have you never doubted? And uh, I just straight up told her, and I was like, yeah, there's days that are tough, but I've, I've never doubted the work that God is doing. Mm-hmm. And um, and she was like, you know, it's really tough. It's really tough for me to feel these doubts and then to look at you guys, and and, and you're just so so grounded. And uh, man, I don't even know where to start. This is such a loaded question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. You can... <laughs> yeah, tough one, man, tough. <laughs> Put me on the spot. But... I, I just feel like a you know every every day is just a, a constant opportunity to learn and grow in faith, and uh, just just learn and grow as a person. And uh, I think in everything in life you should always be learning. And uh, for me, if it's if it's in the church, if it's in a it's in a classroom, it's out, out in the world, it's it's on the soccer field. You know, just taking everything as a lesson, taking everything as a blessing. And mm-hmm. um, I guess just uh, I'll be honest, man, because. Uh, I've talked to people too, and they're like, "Yeah, I used to go to church, and I got confirmed, and you know, I just kind of, I dropped it. I didn't really care to go anymore. My parents were forcing it upon me." But I think when you had that option, when it was like, "All right, you know," and then they, you've always kind of had that option, even you know, pre-confirmation, post-confirmation. But uh, I think ever since then, when it was like option, like you know, hey, you can continue on this journey in faith, or you can you can stop and. Uh, 
when I kind of took that step and I was like, yeah, I want to, I want to keep doing this. <laughs> you know, I, I, this is something that is means so much to me and that, that will always be mm-hmm. a part of me. Uh, you know, I won't, I, I won't lie with you, man. Going to church, uh, uh, that hour of the week is, is one of my favorite and uh, favorite times. And, uh, you know, just to be there alone with God is something really important. And, and uh, it's actually, it's paved a lot of opportunities for me working at Catholic orphanages and uh, even just, I was in uh, Colombia, you know, uh, maybe three weeks ago now, I was in Medellin and, uh, you know, I came home from a clinic one day and uh, there was a nice Catholic church down the street for me and uh, they didn't have a service or anything, but I just went there and I sat down and I just prayed. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I, spread, I, I sat there and I prayed and, uh, you know, just having seen so much, uh, so many kind of unsettling things during that day uh, where I was working uh, and then to come back and just to, to give thanks to God um, for kind of seeing me through the day. Uh, you know, it was just, uh, it was something that I felt like I needed to do just because uh, it was tough, man. It was uh, Columbia was kind of one of those places where every single day I, I left in the morning, I didn't know I was coming back. Yeah. And uh, yeah. it was just really scary and it was really, uh, it was really tough, man. You know, it was probably the most dangerous place I'd been to. Yeah. And uh, faith is just such a beautiful thing to me, and um, you know it's something that just definitely carried me through what I what I do. Yeah. Because uh, you go to these places, and like I said, you don't know if you're going to come back. And um, yeah. Even even furthermore, I don't know if you want to answer uh, ask a follow up question before, but uh, what happens is that I'll, I'll just get into it now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Keep keep going, man. You're on a, you're on a roll. What, what happens is. Uh, I said this to a couple of people is that you see you see a lot of really bad things <laughs> out there in the world and uh, that do exist actually they, they really do exist in the states and they're on in to, to a degree but when you get out in the world and, and you really got kind of go beyond that and it just it just magnifies and um, you see a lot of things that kind of shake you down to your core and, and for what it's worth, you do see a lot of really beautiful things too, man. Uh, things that really do give you hope, but you see a lot of things that kind of take that hope away really quickly. And, uh, you know, it, it could be just a kid who's being neglected. It could be something as, as I hate to say simple, but something almost as tame as that. Mm-hmm. And it's sad that that has to be deemed as tame. tame. But, yeah. you know, like I said, man, like kids who are like 10 years old and being prostituted and, you know, kids who are digging through garbage at four years old and these are kids who, who live who literally live in, in, in a like an industrial dump and uh they go to sleep angry they wake up angry and that cycle doesn't break and so like i said man you see things that really kind of shake you and uh i think that if i didn't have faith in something so much greater and uh, I, I think if I wasn't kind of rooted in, in this faith in God, I don't know if I'd be able to keep going, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I say that with absolute truth behind it, that, man, I don't, I don't know if I'd be here today if I didn't have that, because you, you see things that kind of almost burden you so so badly. Mm-hmm. And I know that uh, you, you really have to walk a kind of tiptoe the line between that, and you have to be careful. because yeah. uh, And I've realized that, too, and, and you start taking on burdens that are really necessarily years to bear but how can you not how can you not when you see these kids and, and you know they give you all the reason not to because they, they just they possess such positivity and such such hope and grace no matter what circumstance they're going through but when you kind of take a step back and you sit there and you ref- reflect on the the circumstances that they're living in 
and uh, the things that they're forced to deal with every single day. I don't know, man. It's just so tough to, to kind of uh, even comprehend that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, but I, I'm happy to say that you know, despite anything that I've seen, I, I'd like to think that I've never doubted my faith. And uh, <laughs> you know, not for not for a lack of, of things out there in the world trying <laughs> trying to make that you know make that just happen right there. But uh, I, I'd like to think that my my faith really hasn't been shaken despite any of that. And uh, and like I said, man, you really do. You see, you see. I don't want to get too much into the negative things because you really do see some of the most amazing things, and you really interact with some of the most amazing kids. And you know, kids who are hungry, who are still willing to give up their last piece of food just so, you know, you might not be hungry or, you know, one of their peers, one of their, uh, you know, brothers or sisters might not uh, go hungry that day. And, uh, you know, it's just simple gestures like that, but simple gestures of love. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I yeah, like no. Now, no, absolutely. No, you're, <laughs> that was just something you're that speaking I, a lot of truth. That was something that I wanted to get across because that's, uh, you know, that's definitely one yeah, no, you're definitely you're speaking a lot of truth, and and I appreciate that the you know that the authenticity there and and being real, because uh, you know it's it's challenging, and you, I'm sure you know even where you are right now, you're you're put to the test, um, and yeah, for a lot of people, being in a in a in a new environment, often being uncomfortable, is your everything is everything's on the line, and you see a lot of yeah, things yeah. and you see a lot of things that you haven't seen before and you're, you're, you know, and unfortunately, you know, you're, you're going to see things in the, you know, in the future that won't be the great, the greatest. But as you mentioned, you, you know, you, you see these, these small doses or, you know, that, that actually make, make people's lives, you know, and, and these, just these small touches of love and, and sharing that, um, that really do show how, how valuable, these intangible things are. Yeah, exactly, man. Um, so it's just it's, it's yeah. beautiful, man, and you know I'm thankful for that every day. And uh, I don't know, like I said, this is a good opportunity to speak about it. And I actually, um, you know, sometimes writing about it, and it's these these things, uh, they do have their their positives and their drawbacks too. But um, you know, just to be able to speak about it, just to be able to write about it, uh, I found it to be uh, quite therapeutic and actually almost necessary because. If I keep this stuff inside, man, it kind of just uh, it just builds on it on yep. itself, and it's just uh, you know I might not be in as good a place as I, I think I might be, you know, in the future. So uh, you know, I just thank you for giving me the opportunity to share some of these stories because uh, sometimes I need it. So absolutely, absolutely, I, you know, I, and I appreciate again, I appreciate your honesty. Um, yeah, other thing I want to mention, you know, I I know from what you're saying, you know, a lot of challenging parts is, is, is the safety. And especially when you're in Colombia, you weren't sure if you're going to be saying, staying back in that place for that night. So kind of like looking at all these trips that you do, it, what, what is the hardest part? Is it, is it worrying about safety or for me, I, a part would be trying to figure out how I can bring all these soccer balls on the airplane or, you know, it, <laughs> yeah, man, it's a, that's a salty subject. <laughs> yeah. Cause I've been, uh, you know, for what it's worth, it's it's been uh, that part. I'll, I'll just get into that part for yeah. now. But you know, that's that's almost a boring boring topic in itself uh, in comparison to everything else. But uh, yeah, I'll get into that because I'm sure you're curious about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, from the start, uh, we we kind of always get hassled <laughs> every time we go through customs, and you go to places where, you know, I have four suitcases full of eighty soccer balls, something like that, going into Jamaica. Yeah, and. Uh, 
Jamaica's pretty strict at customs, and uh, what happened is our bags didn't show up, so we had to go drive two hours the next day to get them, and then two yeah. hours the next day because they still weren't there. And so, like, uh, they actually, when they put the bags through the scanner, they thought that we were uh, with the Federation, with the Jamaican Football Federation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was like, hey, man, if it gets me through without taxes, then all right. No. <laughs> but, but what happens is uh, we always we always seem to have a problem with it, and uh, like I said, you kind of you got to just learn to work with it. Um, I, I actually, I always have signed documents. Um, and I realize that I now, now I have to have invoices too. And they want to see a receipt. They want to see how much a soccer ball is worth, which is tough because obviously these soccer balls, uh, for the most part, have been donated to me. So that ball is technically worth zero because it's free. But, uh, you know, I can't just sit there and talk to a customs agent and be like, yeah, it's zero dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, so I've I've always brought documents, kind of saying, hey, you know, we have a we have a visitor coming. He's he's bringing soccer balls with him, which will be donated to us, uh, in ex- not in exchange for any any services or anything, you know, or, or any money. And then, uh, you know, this is his itinerary, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, those have worked. Those have not worked. Um, I've only had one really bad experience. And you know, usually they just um, they just kind of like shake us a little bit and. Um, you, you just can get by, st- yeah. They, st- they steal a little bit of our time. And, you know, in the Philippines, they're like, all right, you know, next time, don't let it happen again. <laughs> yeah. Because I got to the Philippines with 60 soccer balls, me and my mom. And um, they were like, yeah, you're each allowed three. And I was <laughs> like, all right, well, this isn't going to work out. <laughs> and it's 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 tough, man, because they, like, assume you're going to sell them. Or, like, if I go to Latin America, they assume that there's drugs in them. Yeah. And I was like, hey, man, I wouldn't waste my time with that. Like, yeah. I'm not going to hop on a plane and go 14 hours across the world to, to sell a soccer ball for less money than I could get in yeah. the States for it. So, yeah. like, uh, you know, that just sounds, it doesn't piece together, you know what no. I mean? So, I, yeah. a lot of times, a lot of times they're just like, you know, this is what you need next time, you need this sign. And a lot of times they've, they've given us, you know, more problems than, than we'd like to deal with, but, uh, and it's tough, you know, especially if they, if they really kind of, uh, it's, sometimes it sets the tone for uh, a trip and, uh, Unfortunately, that's what happened when I went to El Salvador, and uh, I brought 40 soccer balls with me, and uh, I had never been, believe it or not, I had never been paid, I uh, never had to pay a customs tax on my soccer balls. And so mm-hmm. I've given out, I brought like a thousand with me all over the world, 1,100, something like that, and I never had to pay anything, pay any sort of declaration until I got to El Salvador. <laughs> Yep. So that was like country number twelve or something, and so I'm thankful that it, you know it took twelve countries to get there. But it's not a good feeling, man, because I ended up I had forty, um, and I was sitting there. This lady's taking her sweet time, and like I was like, all right, what number could this lady give me that I'd actually be willing to pay? And it's just like I don't know if this money's going into her pocket. I don't know if it's going yeah. into the government. It's going into their pockets. So it's just like there's so much corruption in some of these places that you never really know what's going to happen. But it's just. Uh, it just sucks, man. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that's just basically. And uh, yeah. what happened is this this lady goes into her back room, takes her time, and uh, she comes out with uh, she brought three soccer balls. And like, obviously, you can't you can't group them all in one because I have like Adidas ones, Nike ones, well, I don't know, all these different brands. So like, uh, you know, how can you classify what one is worth when they're all different? <laughs> yeah. And uh, she ends up going. She comes back with three documents, uh, three photocopied pages of like uh or so three printed out pages from a google a google search and she comes back i had brought like an adidas like a glider like a replica ball 
Yeah. So not worth any more than like twenty bucks. Yeah. And she comes back with an eBay listing for a, a Euro match ball for a hundred forty euros. Yeah. Oh. And geez. I was like, I was like, this, I was like, this is your source. Like, first of all, this isn't the same ball. Second of all, eBay is is a buyer's market. Like, you can set whatever price yeah. you want. Yeah. That is <laughs> and crazy. I was just like, this, there's zero credibility behind this. And I was like, this ball is not worth it. I'm not paying that. And she was like, oh, okay, okay. And so she's like asking me, and I was like, each soccer ball, I wanted to tell her each soccer ball is worth like two bucks. But uh, I told her five, and she laughed at me. And so she ended up valuing it at like 450 bucks. And then she taxed me at 33% or something. So I had to pay almost like, I don't know, 130 bucks in, in duty. And uh, for balls that you're going to. For balls that yeah, you're you gonna donate, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was tragic, man, and like, um, it just sucks. Like the, the trip was off to such a, a rough start after that, and like, no matter how much you know, I just wanted to shake it. Uh, it's just like you know, I, I don't get over things like that that easily because it's just it's. I know that these soccer balls, I'm not selling them. I'm not using them for commercial purposes. They're literally just going into the hands of kids who need them, mm-hmm. and it's just like, and you're gonna tax me 125 bucks that that goes, who knows where. And it's just like it's just it's just disappointing, man. And yeah. uh, you know, as much as you want to just kind of pick yourself up and move on, I'm the type of person where that kind of just kind of sits with me longer than I'd like it to, and that's not good. Yeah. You know, you can't you can't be going and, and doing the work that you want to do and working with kids, and you're still dwelling on this little mishap that happened. But I don't know, man. I'm also thankful that it took 12 countries over a year for that to happen but yeah, yeah. you know that 120 bucks could have bought me i don't know 60 soccer balls and then it's just like all right you know 60 less kids will get soccer balls because this lady felt the need to to tax me on those mm-hmm. and it was just like it was like a two-hour ordeal so like i don't know man I don't, it's a sour subject for me i don't like talking about sure Under, understandable <laughs> as, you, as you can tell i'm still not fully over it not yet. fully over it yep <laughs> no, you know, I think that's that speaks to a, you know an issue that I think of is, it I think it takes a lot to to, to do service or you know I, it seems like there's a lot of different barriers and ex, as you mentioned expenses you have to pay to to help out right if you if you want to do a service trip overseas you have to fork over several several thousand dollars you know and yeah, and it's yep. and it's you know I think and you were able to find a way. Um, where you could provide service and despite these really unfortunate uh, mishaps like El Salvador, you're able to, yep. to serve and do and really do kind of God's work and in service um, at a you know great capacity. Um, you know is that, is that something that you ever think of or is it just is a, I think as you know I, I can probably put in your mouth, you're just grateful for the opportunity in general. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> pretty, pretty much. Bad. Yeah, but the you hit the nail on the head. Okay, but, okay. Uh, I don't know, man. Like I said, uh, you know, I, I don't want to get too much into it because, yeah. like, like I said, you you do become pretty, pretty cynical pretty quickly, and uh, and that's what it is, man. And, and it's disappointing that it has to be like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just having this inherent, uh, this inherent desire to to give back and to serve, and uh, having the world tell you that it's not going to be as easy as you thought it was. Yeah, and. Uh, it almost breaks my heart that, you know, people have to deal with that to the point where, you know, I've been asked the question, you know, what advice would you give to someone who wants to, to do what you're doing? You know, what would you tell them? How would they, how would you tell them to start? And, and in the back of my mind, I'm like, 
don't don't do it <laughs> yeah yeah but i'm just like you know i don't at the same time i want to give people the advice that you know i, I so desperately wanted to have but i've also been there and i know how tough it is and uh you get your heart broken a couple times you sit you sit there and you want to you you start off with this this um i don't know this almost naivety that you're just like i'm gonna change the world and then it's just like boom you can't do that <laughs> yeah and it's just like you go from from being so excited and uh you know whether it's whether it's lofty costs or, or commitments or anything yep. uh, you know there's always going to be things that try to bring you down and it's a shame that it has to be like that and uh you know not everybody's going to have the opportunity to do something uh in in the line of uh you know almost starting their own charity uh to, to kind of chase their dreams and uh so, like I said, I'm always thankful for that that opportunity in itself, and, and it wouldn't have been possible without so many different uh, people in my yeah. life. And uh, but I don't know, man. It's just that's a that's such a tough subject. And uh, yeah, like I, I honestly, I wish I could be so positive about it. And uh, because I didn't have that, you know, when I first started, everybody told me that I couldn't do it. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's tough, man. It's and I think that's going to come with a lot of things that life throws at you, but. For me, I just couldn't believe that uh, I could have a cause that that did not serve myself at all. You know, a cause that that was almost uh, just just noble in itself and and, and almost just uh, selfless in nature. That mm-hmm. uh, that I could want to do something like that, and I could still have people tell me, yeah. "No, you can't do that." And mm-hmm. I just couldn't believe that, and I still kind of I struggle with that every day, man. I'll be honest, and. Uh, it's just tough because being in there, being there right now, and knowing how difficult it is to do this work, uh, how difficult it is to start something and continue to do something so ambitious, almost to the point of uh, insanity. Uh, I know how difficult that is, and in that moment, man, the last thing that that person needs is criticism. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like they need all the support, they need all the all the help that they can get. When they want to do something in that in that scope, something so so immense, yeah. And uh, when you're getting when you're getting criticism, when you have people undermining what you're doing, man, it's not a fun place to be. And uh, I've struggled with that too, man, to the point where I almost I, I be I got I was doubted by so many people that you know I started to doubt myself. So, yeah. And man, that that's not that's not a good place to be at all. And uh, and it goes further than that because you know if you're sitting there and you're not invested in it and you're uh, you're kind of just so broken down. Uh, you can't give, you can't give your all. You can't give all your effort to these kids. And uh, if you're getting giving anything less than 100, percent man, you're you're cheating them and you're cheating yourself. And uh, you know, it's just like mm-hmm. I said, man. There's all, all these different factors that uh, you just kind of have to be wary of. So yeah, not for sure. So so when someone asks you, then you know, what what advice do you have for for someone who's to, you know who's looking to to do something like this, how do you normally respond? Man, so I gotta perk. I gotta perk up my answer now. <laughs> yeah. I can't, I can't just say don't do it. Um, <laughs> my, yeah. <laughs> obviously, that's the easy answer. And I, man, I don't want to be that type of person. You know. Yeah. I don't want to be that type of person who says don't do it because everybody told me don't do it. But, um, but I don't know. I also don't want. I don't want people to to have their. I don't know. I don't want people to have those dreams crushed in the way that mine almost were. And uh, sometimes in the way that mine are, you know, day to day. And, uh, but I would tell them, you know, you have to start, you have to start local and you have to start somewhere. 
but uh, uh, starting local is a good place to be. And, and obviously, I had a good foundation from uh, you know volunteer coaching in the community, running clinics back home, and uh, you know just having that 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 foundation to build off of. Yep. So starting at a local level, seeing you know you know this is really something you want to do, and then just branching out, and then you know local becomes national, national becomes global, and. Uh, soon enough and it doesn't have to be and, and I, I can't do I can't do the whole comparison thing yeah. because you know somebody who's serving in their own local community they're doing just as important work as somebody who's out there you know uh, in a yeah. different country and yeah. underserved perhaps more underserved than anything we have ever seen so you can't do you can't do compare uh, comparative giving you know but uh, I would say that a good place my advice has always been to, to start local you know see because because a lot of people maybe they they like the thought of it uh, they um they kind of like the, the image that comes with it, but, uh, you know, you could throw them out in the field and then they're like, I can't do this, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and uh, there's a lifestyle that comes with the work that uh, a lot of people don't know about that uh, sometimes I'm kind of more reserved about than others. And, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of people, like I said, they'll see, they'll see a picture, they'll read a story and they'll see, they'll see smiles, they'll see happiness, but they don't see all the inevitable pain that comes with it. And, uh, I don't know, man. I was in Indonesia and I dropped 15 pounds in two weeks living at an orphanage. And, uh, you know, there's nights where I can't go to sleep. There's nights where I cry myself to sleep. And people don't know those things. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I kind of have to get comfortable with someone to share those things because I don't want them to know that. You know, they don't have to know that. Yeah. But that's that's the truth behind it. And, you know, this is these are the things that come. And, you know, uh, you kind of just have to be ready to, to cope with them. And, uh you know, I still I still struggle to cope with those things, you know, every day. But uh, that's always a constant reminder how important and how meaningful the work is to me. Because, uh, you know, I feel emotions just as vividly now as I did a year ago when I was there in that moment experiencing them. And, uh, man, you know, just to be able to talk about an experience and, and to feel that again. And to feel like you're still there. And uh, I don't know, man, just to have those things come back up. Sometimes those memories are they're so special, but same time man they still hurt just as much as they did back then yeah and uh but what i would what i would tell them sorry i'm sorry to get kind of off topic but uh what i would tell them is just to start local you know get a feel for what you want to do and um i I, in terms of uh i completely missed the (laughs) missed this part of the question but uh in terms of kind of finding what you want to do um i guess uh i'm kind of in in a fortunate position where uh I get to use the thing that, that has brought me the most happiness in life. I get to use that as, as a tool, as a vehicle to, to spread happiness to other and others. And, you know, I think that that itself is just a dream come true. And, uh, you know, like I said, I'm always thankful for that every single day. Yeah. But, um, and I, and ideally I think, you know, that's a good place to start, uh, you know, is, is by using something that, you know, a passion of yours, because, uh, you know, that's what's going to make the work that much more meaningful to you. And it's going to make it easier for you because <laughs> if you just share your passion, man, and uh, 100%. so I would say I would say do something like that. You know, if you're a musician, you know, teach kids how to how to play an instrument, something like that. Yeah. But then you also have to look at um, you want to look at kind of something that really adds to their lives too. And like uh, this is also just assuming that you're working with kids. So you know, that's obviously if you're going to work with people with disabilities, uh, elderly mm-hmm. people, it's a different ballgame. But uh, just just advice in terms of working with with other kids you know their youth uh you also need to look at something that that really adds to their life because uh you know it's okay to give them time like i said but uh at the end of the day you also want to give something that that perhaps they could use 
for something greater, uh, you know, and uh, to be able to use soccer as, as a temporary escape for these kids. And that's, you know, that's the most basic thing that we're looking for. But to be able to, to use soccer for as a as an outlet for these kids to, to perhaps change their life and change their entire future. Um, you know, that's that's the end goal. Mm-hmm. And um, so so even if you're out there, because um, I actually I have this conversation with my mom like every single week. Uh <laughs> Because my mom comes along and, you know, she sees it and she has this burning passion within to, to do something, but she's still kind of trying to find her platform. And it's tough. And, you know, like I, can, I can, can't really level with that because I knew that soccer was what it was going to be from the start. But, you know, my mom does crafts with the kids and, and it's good to, to kind of foster that creative outlet that every kid has. Um, but also you want to do something that, that could really... Uh, you know, to add a add a skill or to, to you know teach a craft to these kids that they can carry with them throughout life. So you know, if you if my mom goes there and she teaches kids how to knit, uh, you know, then they can create clothing. You know, if you yeah. teach kids how to sew, that turns into industry itself, and they can actually go and get get uh, you know employment from that yeah. and and bring in money and, and really provide for themselves and their family. And so uh, you know, that's obviously uh, that's a good kind of target to have is, is giving kids something where they can they can really shape a future around it but you know these are all things that that you kind of learn along the way yeah absolutely but, awesome yeah so i mean that's <laughs> i don't know man i don't know if i answered the question or not, so. you did you did you, you did in several <laughs> several different ways so there's uh I th- yeah there's there's more than one answer there um which is yeah, awesome yeah. and there's a lot of different ways to get involved yeah, what was, what was the question? What were you asking before about uh, the challenges, man? I, I got into the soccer ball, so huh? where do I even start with challenges, man? Because there's, uh, there's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, and I'm just trying to think what's what's the most difficult one for me. And uh, uh, like I said, there's a, there's a lifestyle that comes with it that's, that's very difficult. And um, uh, to the point where I've, I've also had a lot of friends uh, reach out, you know, hey, I want to tag along, I want to I help you out, I want to be a part of this. And uh, I just have to give them a warning from the start. And I was like, you're going to be uncomfortable 99% of the time. These trips are bare bones. They're gritty. Uh, you're going to fear for your safety. You're going to fear for everything. Like, that's the truth. And I'm not trying to scare them away because that's really what it is. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, it's a different lifestyle, man. And uh, a lot of people are like, I get, I get the uh, advice a lot that, you know, you can't take care of other people if you don't take care of yourself. And, uh I'm a little stubborn about it and I uh, kind of know where my, where my body's at, what my body can take. And then I kind of push it further than that because I'm stubborn, but, yeah. um, it's tough, man. You know, you, you go to these places and you, you kind of starve every day. You starve every night, you go to bed hungry, but you're in no position to complain because for a lot of these kids, hunger is the, the least of their problems. And, uh, you know, how can you complain about not, going to bed satisfied when you have a kid where they live that life every single day. And so it's, it's been humbling in that sense, but, uh, it's difficult too, but that's what comes with the territory. And I think I knew that was, I knew that was a byproduct of what I was getting myself into. Mm-hmm. So the lifestyle has been a challenge and, you know, I was, uh, I was in the Dominican and like, you know, you kind of, you, you work with what you have. So, you know, I could be in Nicaragua sleeping on the floor of an orphanage, which makes it tough to play soccer the next day because my back is broken. <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. 
you know, sleeping on the floor of an orphanage. Uh, I was in the Dominican and sleeping in like 95 degree heat with just mosquito infestation, which wasn't comforting considering uh, the director was like, yeah, just a, just a word of warning. Like, you know, I have Zika virus, so you should probably watch it. <laughs> oh my <laughs> gosh. Like, that's like, no, that's serious. Okay. That's then, serious. Know, I had oh the my. option. Yeah, I had the option to, to sleep with a blanket on and just sweat myself into death, or uh, yeah. just kind of sleep exposed and uh, you know just get bit by mosquitoes all night. And I, I don't even know which option I picked. Maybe half and half. Yeah. But uh, it wasn't a comfortable sleep. But you know these are the elements that come with it. And uh, thankfully I don't have Zika. I don't think so. So, uh, but you know these are things that come with it and uh, things that people don't know. And uh, so there's always challenges, man, and every single day is a new challenge. And, uh, you know, even just in the work, you know, you want to be able to reach out to every single kid, and it's tough to get kids engaged. But at the end of the day, you know, if you can get that one kid who's maybe sitting to the side, sitting sitting off to the side, and if you can get that kid smiling and, and playing, then you've kind of accomplished more than you could have imagined. And, uh, you know, I've had kids uh, in the Philippines who are like, no, nah, I don't feel good, I don't want to play soccer. And then they sit there and they see their uh, – they see their friends and their, their brothers and sisters, they see them all playing, and then they just perk right back up, and then they're there running on the field. And I was like, well, it must have been a miracle, man. Like, what happened? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's just stuff like that. So if you can get that one kid engaged, uh, it's just little victories like that that kind of push you along. But um, wow, and ch- challenges, uh, <clears throat> I don't even know where to – because there's so many. Um, yeah. But I, I'd like to think, man, the toughest uh, – I don't know how, how much I'm going to get into it, but the toughest uh, – the toughest challenge that, that I kind of struggle with every day is because um, there's obviously there's a level of, uh, of investment that you put into the work that you do. Um, and so there's an emotional investment. There's obviously, you know, the trips take their toll and there's a physical investment too. And uh, But the toughest thing for me has been uh, kind of struggling and, and dealing with uh, empathy. Yep. And, you know, em- empathy, it's a loaded word, man. And uh, it's something I didn't really know that I had in... in uh, to that extent uh, until I started doing this work and uh, I'm telling you man it makes it makes a lot of days harder than a lot of other days and uh, but it's something that I'm really thankful for because uh, I don't know man it's to you know to be able to sit there and kind of level with a kid as, as much as you can and you know you can never put and, and you have to be uh, you have to be mindful of their circumstances because you can never put yourself in their shoes yeah. uh, you can never know what they've been through and so you just have to be respectful of that but it doesn't mean that you can uh, you can't convey and, and kind of feel that emotion with them, and feel that emotion through them, and so uh, you know just just being able to, to, to sit there alongside a kid, work with a kid who's who's been through um, you know way more in life than, than we could ever be, uh, imagine here you know in the states. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just uh, to be able to show them empathy, and, you know, yeah. to be able to cry with them, uh, just to be able to, to provide a shoulder you know, yeah. for them to cry on. And, you know, there's moments like that, and, like, I'm not embarrassed about that stuff anymore. I never really was, but, uh, you know, I could be in Guatemala. One of the toughest, these are some of the toughest experiences for me, you know, I was in, um, and, and tears come in, you know, that's uh, that's just emotion. And, yeah. uh, like I said, the emotion reminds you of the work you're doing, and uh, I don't know, I don't think if I had the, if I didn't have the emotion, I, I, I would question if I should still be doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because as much as it, as much as it hurts, you know, it actually does provide a, uh, quite a significant meaning to those kids because, uh, you know, they can see that investment that you have with it. Uh, you know, it's a lot better than them seeing somebody's robotic. And uh, 
I, I honestly would question if that emotion ever went away. And if, it, if I ever felt like I was just going through the motions, uh, truthfully, I'd probably just have to walk away from everything. And uh, I don't know. I don't know if I would actually take it up on yeah. that. And I don't think I, yeah. I honestly, I pray, I pray to God every day that it doesn't happen. But uh, what happens is, you know, you're in, you're in Guatemala and, and uh, you know, kids crying, kids crying uh, in the back of a classroom, actually. You know, uh, one of my, one of the kids who I had kind of gravitated towards uh, when I first met him uh, for who God knows what reason. Uh, he was the tallest kid of the bunch, <laughs> the yeah. tallest boy. So I just, I just trusted him for some reason, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and what happened is we, we became pretty close. And then uh, one day he's just sitting there in the back of the classroom and he's just, uh, he's crying and, you know, he's got his head down. Nobody knows what, what was happening. And uh, it's a scary place to be, man. It's uh it's really scary. Uh, when you see a kid crying in a place like that, in a community like that, uh, actually on the other side of the walls were, uh, was a gang community. So uh, like a, a, just a, a red zone is what it was called. So this is, um, this is outside Guatemala City. So this is a place where the police don't even go because the, the gang activity is so high. So the police don't even waste their time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you go to bed to, to the sound of gunshots every night. And then, uh, I don't know, man, it might be comparable to like Springfield times 10 or something. So, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, so what happens is you go to bed to the sound of gunshots and, and these kids are so candid about it. You know, they wake up the next day and they're like, yeah, I heard 10 last night. And you're like, 10 what? And they're like, gunshots with a smile on their face and uh you know this is that's not a way to grow up you know you no. shouldn't be so candid about something uh it, with, to that extreme and uh you know these are these are kids who actually we um thankfully it didn't happen when i was there but in the past uh they have this little um the court where they play soccer on is and, and it's in a it's a, a walled in community it's a gated community but uh there were days where they couldn't play soccer on this field because of stray bullets coming in. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, that's, that's terrifying, man. And, uh, but you know, this kid's crying in the back of the classroom and, it, and it's a, it's a scary situation because if a, kid, if a kid's crying in Guatemala, man, Ty, you have no idea what yeah. that means yeah. <laughs> like yeah. at all. And that, that drives you absolutely, absolutely crazy. And, uh, you know, a kid could be crying cause his, uh, his brother was just shot in a drive by something like that. He could be crying cause his parents died, anything. And yeah. you really never know. And uh, and this turned out to be quite minuscule. But, uh, you know, what happened was that this kid was crying and uh, I saw the effect that he had on the other kids. And, you know, uh, there's this culture in Guatemala, this machismo culture where the men are never supposed to, uh, the men are seen, or the men want to have this image where they're strong and they never falter. And, uh, you know, I don't know if that kind of, uh, made it worse for this boy but uh, you know he was crying and I saw the other kids in the classroom who saw him crying and, and they also you know I saw the effect that it had on them and that itself had an effect on me and uh, I didn't know what to do man and you know I just took this kid under my arm and I cried with him but uh, you know and after that they took him to like a, a school psychologist or something to, to just be kind of checked out and just have a conversation but uh I was so disappointed in myself and I honestly felt, I felt so bad because there was so much that I wanted to do for this kid. And, uh, you know, you see a kid in so much pain and all you want to do is take away that pain. Yeah. And, uh, I almost felt, I almost felt embarrassed that I, I couldn't do that in that moment. And I, you know, yeah. I don't know if that's, that's a feeling that I had to have, but it's a feeling that I did have. And, uh, 
I almost wanted to go into my room and shut the door and never come out. And, uh, you know, it was one of those things where I just had to, like, I walked away and I just had to break down because it, it just really, it kind of just, it tore at me, it tore at my emotions. And uh, it was just really difficult. But, uh, you know, it's just things like that. Those are challenges. But um, I'm trying to think. I'm just saying, man, like, you know, empathy is just, it's really tough. And empathy, yeah. it's, it's a good thing. It's a good thing to have. It's an important thing to have. But it's something that... Uh, you just have to be very careful about in this line of work because it can it can break you, man. And uh, there's been days where it has broken me. Uh, but, uh, you know, yeah. I just try to cope with it every day. And uh, and like I said, you're, you're just exposed to so many different things and so many different emotions. And, you know, I've had nights where I cried myself to sleep for, for just sheer joy. You know, I was in Bolivia, and, and these kids, uh, uh, you know, they, they offer me a meal to share with them for dinner and uh you know they sit there and they're so um what's it they're so reverent in their reverence the word right they're so reverent in their prayer and they sit there you know hands crossed eyes closed everything and they're going and they're they're saying thank you for everything in their life and um you know these are kids who really don't have a whole lot and and you know i'm just sitting there i'm I'm being a part of it all and uh, you know i hear them say thank you for for tio esteban and, you know, yeah. it was just uh, something like that. And I came back, you know, at the end of the night and I just sat there and I was like, you know, these kids are so incredible. And, you know, it's just it's tears of happiness, tears of joy, because you have kids who are so grateful for everything. And then uh, you can come back to a place where kids are grateful for nothing. Yeah. And um, you, there's such a disparity between the two. And uh, so I don't know, man, I'd say that's that's been the biggest challenge uh, so far is kind of just empathy and you know taking on burdens that maybe i shouldn't be bearing but uh yeah if i had to if i had to pick one thing that'd probably be it yeah but, uh, yeah safety's a big safety's a big thing too but you know that's kind of as expected and so uh, yeah i don't know man i was in i was in san salvador too and uh you know i went to i was running a clinic in a gang neighborhood that uh you know coming back from it thankfully i, I heard this coming back not before going uh one of the guys was like yeah man you know like five people were just murdered there and i was like oh that's cool that's chill <laughs> Jeez, at least, I like, yeah i was like thank i was like thank god we're home now but uh yeah i didn't do a whole lot of research before going to el salvador but when i came back i was you know doing some research and they're like you know uh the gang ms 13 is pretty big there i'm pretty sure they're based out of there so yeah. i don't know if you're familiar with that but yes um, yeah it's it's pretty intense yeah, crazy, pretty right? intense so uh but el salvador san salvador is like uh, i think the third worst uh city in the world in terms of uh murder rate per capita so yeah. uh, one out of every thousand people is murdered something like that so yeah. um you know it's a scary place to be um but like i said you draw from faith in those uh in those trying times and uh you know I, I, when i go and i speak to to like uh ccd classes i tell kids that you know some of the most important things that i carry with me each day are love empathy faith uh and humility Yep. And there was one other that I can't think of, but, uh, you know, you have to have some sort of faith. You have yep. to have that, that inherent faith that, you know, God is going to see me through this journey. He's not going to lead me through anything that he can't himself lead me through. And, uh, you know, and it, it's still, it's, it's still tough, man. You know, I, I went to that clinic in El Salvador and I had, uh, guards, you know, holding shotguns, um, just, uh, you know, watching over myself and watching over the kids. And, uh, I think that'll shake you no matter what you can get. You can try and say that you, you can try and prepare for it, but as soon as you see it, you know, three guys just with shotguns, like, 
and and it's just like it's so commonplace for those kids and you know they are there for their safety but those kids shouldn't be growing up in a, in an environment where that is so common to them and and where you know just armed guards is is the norm and um so like i said danger the danger definitely plays its own role but mm-hmm. uh I don't well, know. It's uh, yeah. it's something that I don't really fear too much about anymore. I guess, and uh, I don't really know for what reason. But uh, I think I realized that there's no real, there's not really time for fear in places like that. And yeah. uh, you know, if I was scared to go, then I shouldn't be doing it. <laughs> and uh, you almost think of it like you know, if, if I'm too scared to go and work with those kids, like how how are they going to get reached out to? How are they going to ever have that experience? Uh, if somebody like me is, is too afraid of what might happen. And, uh, you know, I, I thank God every day that I haven't dealt with any sort of um, anything really that bad, yeah. like at all, you know, like as, as far as um, as far as uh, unfortunate circumstances happening, it's just been getting taxed a hundred bucks at customs. It hasn't been having a uh, gun pointed in my head or anything. Yeah. But, uh, who knows what's going to happen in the future, you know? But, yeah. Uh, no, and I, I, I just, I just pray that, uh, you know, God will see me through every day. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I you know, I, I agree. I think living in, from what it sounds like being in that environment, um, causes a lot of anxiety, regardless if you're, you know, if you're a victim of, of you know, I, I, being in, being in this environment causes a lot of anxiety. Um, regardless if you're a victim or if you're, or if you're someone that is just witnessing and just seeing what these people go through, um, regardless, yeah, yeah. It, it takes a toll on you. And um, yeah, absolutely. And I, I almost think you know, and a lot of times I think this these mental and these emotional hardships are can be you know for some people, myself included, they're more challenging than physical hardships, right? As you mentioned, yeah. like we, we we have this thr- this threshold of what we want to do to our bodies and how we want to push ourselves. Um, and I think it's a whole different ball game when you start to work with the, these these other things in life that are that are kind of outside of your of your control. Yeah, absolutely, man. And it, it's tough. It's tough to, to kind of see that every day. Yeah. And and kind of and have this want, like, hey, I, I want, I need to do something to change this. And then almost to to kind of also have to understand that it's a cycle that's not going to be easily broken. And it's just like. You know, this is a gang neighborhood. It's been like this for for how long? You know, and and how how do you change something like that? And it's it's a tough place to be. Like yeah. I'll be honest, like you know, to see something of that magnitude and, and just to want it to change for the sake of these children, for the sake of the families, and, and knowing that you really can't. Yeah. Uh, it's it's really difficult because uh, you know how could how could you? Uh, I, I don't know. You just have to kind of be. Uh, accepting of that but it's not an easy thing to accept I'll tell you that and yeah. uh, I don't know there's, there's been a lot of circumstances that you're kind of forced to accept um, and accept that things cannot really be changed that easily yeah and, uh, and I don't know man it's 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 always difficult to just pick yourself back up and continue going on and, and kind yeah. of come back especially to come back to the states come back to, to such a a privilege and, and sheltered life in that sense compared mm-hmm. to the things that you've seen but it's definitely changed my whole mindset and you know when you see kids who, who have nothing who've been promised nothing and you see kids who are still happy and, and positive and uh who still who still feel feel this uh, who still have this power to, to kind of dream beyond what their circumstances dictate that they should 
And so when you see kids like that who have that incredible mindset, you almost wonder, like, how could I ever how, how could I ever be negative about my own life and, you know, feel like my problems mean anything, considering how petty they are to the things that these kids work with every day. Yep. And, um, you know, I guess, I guess my, like I said, my, my life has just been changed. Um, and I kind of realized, you know, I don't need a whole lot to be happy. And I was never really that type of person anyway, but... Um, you know, aside from from just a, a couple things here and there, you know, just uh, uh, there's there's not too much else to life, <laughs> you know. And this is something that that brings me so much happiness. So as long as I have around the world, man, I'm I'm content. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I don't need a whole lot else. So. Hundred percent. I'm in the same. Yeah, you know, I, I think we're. I, I'm in the same same mindset too. And you know, I, I it's crazy. I uh, when you talk about just living. Um, with with the essentials and not having to have a lot of a lot of stuff to make you happy. Um, yeah, it's yeah. it's so crazy today, and you're gonna laugh at this, but I went to um, a local outlet store, like an outlet mall, and I yep. you know I went shopping with my parents, and I I came back with with underwear, and that and that was it, and it was like, <laughs> and that, I was content, and that's like I'm like all right, yeah, yeah. I I got what I needed, I I don't need, I don't need anything else. Yeah, um, exactly. And you're that's that's tough, man. You're exposed to you know. There's so much stuff out there. And yes. It's just like you know, want versus need too. And uh, and then props to you for that. <laughs> yeah. No. It's it's a different type of thing, and it's something that you bring back when you're when you're in these different experiences, and you've even just having opening your eyes and listening, <sighs> like like you are right now. You know, you'll you'll see this carry when you come back to the states, and even you know, ripple throughout your life too. So, yeah, yeah, 100%. Man. It's really exciting. Um, la- last thing I wanted to touch on was, you know, what, what's, as you've already, you know, visited um, over a dozen countries now, what's what's in store for you and um, around the around the world, around the world, the next few months? Uh, all right. <laughs> plans, just because plans are kind of always open-ended. There. Okay. You know, I was, supposed to, I was supposed to be in Thailand here for only like three or four days, I think. And uh, here I'm going on maybe two weeks now. So, uh, and this has happened before. I was supposed to be in Guatemala for three days. That ended up being three weeks with the kids. And uh, that in itself was uh, part of the reason behind that is that you realize that three days isn't enough for those kids. And uh, I actually realized that, that the impact that I could have in their lives could, could extend so far beyond just soccer. Because uh, mm-hmm. these were kids who didn't have um, positive male role models in their life, lives, you know, like they... They go home, they see uh, their father beating their mother, and that's how they're trained. You know, they, that's how they're groomed into Jeez. the men that they will become. And then they think that's commonplace. They think that's okay. And uh, so they don't have, you know, male figures to look up to in their life, in their lives. So I was just like, you know, I got to I gotta spend more. I got to give more of these kids. And uh, ironically enough, while I was there, you know, some of my most, uh, some of my most favorite days that I spent with those kids in Guatemala were days where we didn't play soccer at all. And, you know, it's just... Uh, like I said, there's there's days where I realize that soccer is almost just it's just a platform, but it's also it's just an icebreaker, and it's yeah. uh, you know it's a way to to kind of uh, step into the, the lives of these kids, and you know yep. it's something that you can level on, uh, and then from there you know you can take it a step further, and you can really talk about uh, you know other things, and like you don't obviously you don't want to get into uh, the extent of their circumstances, and you don't want to pry or anything, but just to be able to talk to them about things that are important. And things that they need to hear, they, they need to know. And so that was Guatemala. That's This is Thailand. You know, it's all extending. And, uh, you know, I just, the, the kids I'm working out with out here are just amazing. Uh, 
they actually gave me a, a jersey from their uh, their team the other day, and it was all yeah. signed by them. Oh, they had this that's big awesome. presentation of it, so it was dope, you know. And I, I just have little uh, mementos like that that I take home with me, and uh, you know, I got bracelets on my wrist too. Yeah. And uh, but it's just uh, it, it's it's working with really special kids and just not wanting to, to say goodbye yet. So, but I think I'm gonna leave Thursday and I'm going to Korea. But I was almost thinking about changing plans and going to, to Vietnam, but I don't know. I have about 18 soccer balls left in my suitcase, so, you know, I could hit a couple of different places with that. But yeah. I'm going to hit one more country out in Asia. Most likely, it, it'll probably be Korea, South Korea. And um, and then it's back to the States. Uh, huh. And then I'll actually, uh, in July, I'm trying to go to, um, where is it? I'm trying to go to Rio in Brazil. Yeah. So, uh Rio's on the horizon, and I've been trying to do that for about a year now. I had a program set up in the favelas, actually, in the slums. Oh, wow. Yep. And, uh, yeah, and that's, that in itself presents its own danger. And, uh, you know, I've heard a lot of unsavory things about uh, Brazil itself, but uh, kind of excited about it, too, obviously. Yeah, um, of course. So, so Brazil's on the list, too. Uh, there's so many different places. I was, uh, I was also setting up South Africa, too, and, and I almost... It almost baffles me that, you know, I, I could start something using soccer to, to kind of attack poverty and, and to make a difference in the lives of children. And people are like, have you gone to Africa? And I'm like, nope. <laughs> and it, yep. it almost surprises me because it's like, that should have been one of the first places I went, you know? Yeah. But I actually, I, I enjoy, and you have different, you know, poverty is different in all these places. So you have immense poverty there, but then you have, uh, you know, poverty with gang and, and drug cartel ties in Latin America. Sure. So a lot of the work that we've been doing has been in Latin America. And, uh, you know, we've, we've extended into Asia, obviously. And, uh, you know, even touched in, in Europe, too. But, um, you know, Africa is definitely, definitely a place no, on the no, list. And, awesome. You know, whatever, con- whatever connections you have in uh, Morocco, I'd love to hear those too because that's been on my mind for a while now. Yeah, well, but, we'll, um, we'll talk after about that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Man. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, but there's there's just so much uh, on my mind, honestly. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I have a lot of places that are already set up. So, you know, it's one of those things. It's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. And they're so receptive to the to the concept of a, you know, free of charge soccer workshop. And, uh, and they're like, you know, I think it really benefit our kids. And, uh, it's just like, all right, whenever you have the time, you know, make your way out here and we'd love to have you. So I have a lot of those set up in a lot of different places, but, um, I don't know. And in terms of numbers, I guess, uh, right now we've worked with about, uh, worked in 16 countries. Uh, I've taught soccer to maybe about 3,350 kids. I think at this point, uh, from, from, I think, 70 different organizations so you know feeding programs orphanages schools youth shelters uh emergency earthquake relief centers you know everything like that refugee homes and uh but the one frontier that i actually haven't really dove into that i want to is uh and like i had ex- i had exposure to this during college you know working with the special olympics i want to work with uh youth and people with disabilities so and obviously that brings a, an added level of uh, difficulty there and, you know, s- to some extent, uh, different liability too. But, and I had actually, I had a, a school set up in Jamaica, uh, a school for deaf children, and uh, I was excited about it. You know, I think it's a good place to start. I definitely, I would definitely prefer working with deaf children than uh, blind children. And, uh, yep. 
but I had that set up and uh, we just didn't have, uh, we couldn't get around to it uh, because of the lack of time. And uh, yeah. I think we were in Jamaica for seven days and I ran nine workshops or something. And so Jeez. I was beat, man. Yeah, I would <laughs> be exhausted, exhausted too. Every single day. Like just on the verge of heat stroke every time. <laughs> but uh, it, it's funny how like so, you, it's funny how you laugh about it now, and it was not a laughing yeah, moment, yeah. moment at the time. Yeah. I thought I thought I was gonna die back then. But, oh uh, yeah. So so yeah, you know that's that's definitely a, a demographic that I want to work with in the future. And uh, actually, I think there was a school for deaf children out here in Thailand that my okay. mom and I were trying to set up, but uh, you know sometimes it's just difficult to set these things up and uh, to kind of run through the logistics of them. Sure. But those are the numbers right now. Uh, you know, it's important to set goals with the, the work you do. I just had this conversation the other day, too. But um, like I said, you know, you know, letting goals kind of or numbers kind of govern how you, you go about your life is is also not a very good thing. So uh, the, the goals I'm working towards right now is I want to I want to teach soccer to 10,000 kids across uh, 25 countries. And so that's the next one. Um, we set the goal for a thousand soccer balls, and we're at about I think uh, 1,120 soccer balls now, something like that. And uh, breaking records. So yeah, man. You know, I, I almost yeah. I almost regretted setting that one because I was like, all right, for the entirety of around the world, that's what we're gonna uh, you know strive towards a thousand soccer balls. Yeah. And uh, I was like, we might do that in what five, ten years, something like that. And then we did it in 13 months, and I was just like, oh, oh man. <laughs> I, took, I, took, I took my foot off the gas. I, I actually, I really hated myself for that. And, uh, you know, I think you have to set, uh, what's it, stretch goals, too. And I didn't have those. That's the only goal I set because I was like, I almost felt like that number was absurd. You know, I gave out 20 soccer balls in Peru, and I was just like, all right, what, how long is it going to take me to give out 1,000? I'll do it in seven years, something like that. And then there we were 13 months later, so. What happened after that was I just didn't know where to go from there, and I didn't have any other goals, and I just, like, I took my foot off the, the pedal, and it was just, like, you know, it wasn't a great place to be either, but those are the next goals, 25 and uh, 10,000, so, like, uh, we still have some work to do. Uh, I turn 25 next month, uh, July 20th, and I actually want to be at 20 countries by then, but uh, okay. that might be a little far-fetched. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. So we'll cool, see cool. what happens, but... Awesome. That's really it, man. You know, there's so many exciting things going on. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, I just gave out a scholarship. Uh, we have a scholarship fund now um, that I had to fly back in from Columbia just to give out. And, uh, you know, just looking at how nonprofits operate, uh, a lot of them do have that, that charitable arm where they're, they're giving out scholarships, uh, and uh, which isn't the reason why I wanted to do it. Actually, I had a conversation with my dad. Uh, sorry to spiral off here, but um, no, absolutely. I had, a, um, I had a conversation with my father uh, heading to my sister goes to Quinnipiac, so we were going to go visit her. And uh, I just, you know, almost naively asked him, you know, hey, so dad, you know, what happens if we have too much money in the, in the nonprofit account? And my old man just laughed at me. And <laughs> yeah. it, was very, it was very hum, it was a very humbling <laughs> experience. And, uh, I wasn't thrilled about it, but you know, my, my dad does tend to humble me like that. And, uh, yep. you know, he said, he laughed and he was like, you're never going to have that problem. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, all right, you're right, old man. But, uh, 
Oh, but geez. he was like, you know, you can do a number of things. You can defer, you know, if you have too much. Because I can only take in uh, no more than $50,000 a year in donations, which, you know, we don't even get close to. Yeah. And um, so he was like, you know, you can start a scholarship. And I didn't really think much of it, but this was back in August of 2016. And he said that, and, you know, I didn't really think much of it, but it also kind of resonated with me. And I was like, man, I'd love to do that if we ever had enough money. Mm-hmm. But I was just like, I don't think we will. And, uh, you know, maybe seven months down the road, we had a scholarship fund. And, uh, you know, I was able to fly back and give out a scholarship in my uh, local community here uh, in Ellington. And uh, I guess there's a significance behind that because uh, what happened is that I, I know I know how um, how difficult the work can be. And I know how, how using sports, uh, the, the scholarship, just an overview is given out to uh, uh a local uh, graduating high school senior, a boy or a girl who's using sports to make a difference in the community. And, uh, you know, that could be anything from volunteer coaching to working with unified sports, uh, Special Olympics, things like that, you know, big brother, big sister type things. And uh, I wanted to do that because I knew how, how difficult the work can be at times. And I know that uh, when you do it, you don't you don't get into it for recognition or accolades or any of that those things and so it's it's very thankless in that sense uh and you know obviously there's there's a gratification that comes with it but uh not much else besides that and uh so so kind of keeping that in mind i I wanted to and and knowing that that how much how much a little uh a little thing like that could really give a boost provide a boost to someone who has been working at it and not really and and, you know having success in the work that they want to do but but also you know having triumph, their own triumphs and, and tribulations through it also, um, I kind of wanted to, to replicate that feeling uh, in, in my own capacity for, for a kid out there who was using sports to make a difference. And uh, so I was able to do that. It was awesome. We gave out a, a $1,000 scholarship uh, June 1st. And uh, it's actually the scholarship fund is named after a boy I worked with in uh, the Dominican Republic and an orphan from there and a, a kid who I still stay in touch with nowadays. Uh, it's called the Gabriel Yeris Scholarship, oh, wow. and uh, this is an orphan in, an orphan who actually uh, came through an around the world's program and went on to, to receive his own scholarship uh, after it. And uh, you know that was one of those moments. And and you know there's been there uh, there has been a lot of good things that have come you know from since starting around the worlds. And uh, you know just in, just in terms of uh, you know there's been a lot of press, which is good to to get to raise awareness to, to the work that we do. And uh, I, don't, I don't know if Mike had mentioned the, the, the Major League Soccer Award last year or not. I no, no, I, I, haven't, I haven't heard anything about that. You... Okay, uh, so what happened is, uh, I'm sorry, uh, this man, this is going on so long, I'm sorry. Uh, no, don't apologize. What happened is uh, last, last summer I was almost to the point of giving up. It was one of those. And, uh, you know, I had been rejected by a couple grants. And I was even getting rejected, uh, rejected by um, uh, prospective beneficiaries, so benefactors too, obviously. But yeah. I was getting turned down, rejected by a lot of orphanages uh, for who knows what reason. But um, and so I was really starting to doubt myself, and uh, almost to the point of giving up. And uh, that same day, I got a call from uh, MLS uh, saying that I'd been nominated for an award, and uh, it ended up being this. Uh, this community MVP award. So it's uh, given to someone using soccer to make a difference uh, in their community. And uh, they flew us out to the all-star game. We were on ESPN 
and uh, actually ended up winning uh, the national award for it. So uh, it's like awesome. the Major League Soccer National Community MVP. And, Congratulations! Uh, I, it was just that's awesome. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Uh, I appreciate that. And uh, it came with a ten thousand dollar contribution from Wells Fargo. Uh, and so that was just, uh, you know, that was one of the best days of my life. But also, you know, looking at things like that, looking at all these blessings that have come with the work, uh, nothing, nothing makes me prouder and nothing, uh, there's nothing in the world that I'm more thankful for than a story like that kid, yeah. uh, Gabrielle, who, you know, went on to get a scholarship because that was almost, uh, you know, affirmation that, uh, what I was doing was actually, you know, creating ripples and making a difference uh, far greater than I could have imagined. Because you sit there and you, you have to be real, realistic in your expectations, you know, like, all right, for two hours, these kids are going to play soccer and they're not even going to think about their problems. But then at the same time, you know, kids were going on to get scholarships. And it's just like, man, you know, this is, this is working and, you know, it's really impacting these kids' lives in a mm-hmm. positive manner. And, uh, you know, this kid, Gabrielle, you know, uh, he... He was kind of uh, the way he could be described was he just didn't he didn't really want to pay attention to anybody. He he lacked a, a positive attitude. Uh, he was almost rebellious. He just didn't want to pay attention. He just uh, granted his circumstance. You know, it's a byproduct of his, his circumstance. But mm-hmm. uh, he was just very uh, he was he was struggling uh, to to get through life. You know, and uh, he sought soccer as an outlet. And uh, he used soccer as, as a tool to, to kind of better himself as a person and to go on to, to change his own life and change his future. And uh, it was just the most amazing. Like, I, I honestly, I brag about this kid every day because, yeah. uh, you know, there's there's not anything else out there that I'm more proud of than this boy, Gabrielle, which is why, you know, I wanted to go on and, and name the scholarship after him because uh, I'm telling you, man, one of one of the happiest uh, moments in my life was, was hearing about this kid. And... Uh, you know, we do still stay in touch, and, you know, he calls me his brother and everything, and it's just, uh, it's really a beautiful thing, and he's such a great kid, and um, I don't know, man, that was just, uh, that was such a special, like, uh, you know, if I had to say, you know, what's the best thing that's happened since I started Around the Worlds, you know, two years of memories, uh, that's that's definitely up there, you know, I don't know, I don't know if I yeah. go as far as saying number one, because I, I, there's so many different things, but uh, that was that was something really special to me and uh, something that I was so thankful for. So, awesome, that's awesome, dude. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, thanks so much. And I, I, again, that's that's really cool. And I'm I'm glad you were able to to come back and and chat with you know come back to the community and and, and be part of the you know the MLS and the All Star Game. Um, yeah, kind of yeah. seeing seeing things full circle and or maybe not even full circle, but seeing things from a different lens and, and putting your, and being in a, you know, being a completely different environment, but seeing kind of how, how that, you know, this, the impact that you're having on these kids, uh, also impacted and was able to go to the MLS too. Must've been pretty, yeah. pretty humbling for yourself. I can only imagine. Yeah. Yeah. So the truth, man, it, it, I don't know if it could have came at a better time. Cause like I said, I was, uh, you know, I was really starting to doubt what I was doing and it's not, it's not a good place to be in, and, yeah. and you know you need all the energy that you have when you're trying to do something uh, uh, to that degree. And uh, it was just it really was humbling. Uh, yep. and, and I'm not going to walk through the entire experience at all, but uh, absolutely, you know, it was just uh, it was just surreal, man. You know, uh, just being there uh, on the field at halftime and uh, kind of to hear hear them say my name uh, 
and actually my family was out there too. My my mom and my brother had flown in just for the All Star game. This was out in California, mm-hmm. and uh, I actually found out later on my dad was was on a business trip and he was sitting at an airport bar in Baltimore or something, and he was like, "Can you guys turn on ESPN?" And uh, you know, the, I walk across the, the field at that point, and he's just like, he's just yelling at the screen. He's like. He's like, yeah. Yeah, then, yeah, uh, yeah. The guy next to him is like, "Why? What are you doing?" And he's like, "That's my son." And you know, and he was just so proud. And and you know, it's just moments like that. But uh, the experience itself was just so surreal. And uh, yeah. you know, you can't take anything away. It was yeah, I was put up against, uh, I think, nineteen other candidates, so one from each of the MLS teams, and uh, I was representing the the Revolution. And uh, so. So what happened is, uh, you know, you're pitted against 19 other candidates who are all doing amazing work. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, even just to be uh, among the company of such uh, such incredible individuals, uh, you know, who are all just just pioneers uh, in, in the sense of, of sport for social change and development. And uh, it was just an honor just, just to be named, you know, just to be one of those 20. And then to come out, you know, with, with such a, a greater honor than that was uh, was amazing. But at the same time, uh, you know, I think there was there was a, a certain level of investment in it too that um, I had seen firsthand how much that money could change the lives of, of the kids that we worked with. Absolutely. And so it wasn't just you know a kind of being a middleman between a need and, and uh, you know providing a service, but it was actually being there in the field, being there, working with these kids firsthand, seeing how how their lives could change, seeing how their attitudes could change, everything. And so because of that, and you know, my mom also having been on trips with me and seeing that too, um, we had this emotional investment into it uh, and this personal investment where um, it just really meant that much more to us. So like, man, I'm telling you, I walked off that field, just kind of felt like I was walking on clouds, felt like I wasn't even my bo- in my mm. body. And, uh, you know, I saw my mom afterwards and I just broke down in her arms because we had seen that, you know, we had seen that firsthand. And it was just, it was an amazing experience, man. Yeah. Something that I'm so grateful for. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. Well, well, well thanks so much, Steve. I, you know, I, I really appreciate this time and in getting down to, you know, to what's real. And I, I, you know, just in wrap up, I, I think we talked about a lot of different, different aspects of your journey, your experiences, um, and and also kind of what you've learned and what you've started starting to take and apply now and and, and kind of that that faith and action too um is really Absolutely. really cool so um before we hop off anything anything else that you want to leave us with or anything else that you want to mention i don't know man we talked for two hours <laughs> i was gonna say we um we we're we're at we're, we we've, we've played a full 90 and i think we're into our second game now <laughs> We're hitting extra time, man. Jeez. But we're way at, we're, yeah, we're past that point. We're past uh, extra time, jeez. Uh, um, oh, man. I don't know. I just, uh, I just want to say thank you for the, the opportunity, man. You know, I'm really grateful for it. And uh, I don't know. There's so much good that's come out of this. And, and it's really, it's forged so many different interactions and, and relationships that uh, I just, I really thank God every day for the experience to have and, and the experience to, to be a part of. And even even a relationship here, you know, even just being able to share my story and, and have you listen, and I do appreciate you, you know, lending a, a listening ear to it all. Because, man, I, I swear I could talk for for yeah. days if I could. Absolutely. <laughs> but, um, but I yeah, I just want to I want to thank you, and, and if you could, you know, and any listeners, if you could just 
continue to pray for the work that we do uh, and just pray that God sees us through every day and, you know, allows us to continue doing this work that we want to do. And, um, you know, that's all I could ask for. Awesome. All right, Steve, thanks so much. Um, I'm going to wrap us up in prayer and then we can, we can hop off. Awesome. Dear Lord, thank you so much for bringing us together um, today. We're incredibly grateful, um, grateful, grateful for the life that you've given both of us. Um, I'm incredibly happy and thankful that that Steve has had the op- the opportunity to to live out your mission um, in in your work, you know, and just using him as a vehicle and a vessel and. Um, seeing Steve over the past few years, um, I, I wasn't there from the get go and, you know, I'm joining him now, but I know that, that you've been part of the process and just seeing everything that that's happened and, and the, the strength that Steve's had, um, is really inspiring to myself and I'm sure to many people out there. So, um, with all this being said, we, we thank you and we praise you, um, and give you all the glory in Jesus name. We pray. Amen. of the guys like us podcast this was a bit of a long one clocking in almost at two hours so if you made it all the way through thanks so much for joining us i hope you benefited and and can take something away um from from steve and and what he's been up to and if you'd like to learn more about around the worlds around the world please check out aroundtheworlds.org and that'll have all the information that you need um, about steve about the organization and ways that you can get involved. Talk to you all soon.